Hello, welcome to episode 21 of Defense Against the Dark Arts. I'm Paul Mill, and this is Premise Evaluation Part 2. We can, to continue on from our last episode, we were talking about uh, counterexamples and premise evaluation. So we cannot use uh, counterexamples to review, to refute specific claims or limited claims or specific premises or limited premises. So what's a specific claim or a specific premise? It's a claim that is about something specific. (laughs) Example, Johnny is brainwashed. Now I'm talking about a specific person, Johnny, and that he's brainwashed. What is a limited claim or a limited premise? A limited premise has limits. Example, most Remember those weasel words, right? So most of us are modal terms. Most of us are brainwashed. It's not about one and it's not about all. It's about something in between. So that is a limited claim because there are limits. The claim is limited. So now I don't know if you see the trend here. So what are the types of premises we're looking at? So there are generalizations that claim all, limited claims that claim some, and specific claims that claim one or a specific thing. So there's the pattern, all, some, or one. These are the different types of premises. And we know we can refute or how to refute some. So we look at the premise, we write it out. If it's suppressed, even if it's not suppressed, it's a good idea to write out the premises. And, uh, And we evaluate it as a specific, a limited, or a generalization. So from our last discourse, discourse from our last discourse we know we can refute some generalizations with counterexamples and i started saying this but uh by i started this episode by saying uh we cannot refute specific or limited claims with counterexamples so how do we refute them well we go down the rabbit hole a little deeper and step into the disgusting world of the undetermined do you remember math divide by zero is not infinity it's undetermined that's where we are we're swimming in that area right so it's a good time now to bring up accuracy versus precision things that are not quite determined something that is determined is like a point something that is not determined is like a fuzzy ball right a, a fog right vague so accuracy is not the same as precision despite what some dictionaries will claim accuracy is how close to the truth you are Precision is your error around that truth. How fuzzy are you? An analogy would be a, a multimeter, a voltage meter that measures measures voltage. Say the actual true voltage that you're trying to measure is 10 volts and your meter reads 9 volts. Well, that your accuracy, how close you are to the truth, is off by 1 volt. So the accuracy is 1 volt. It's off by 1 volt. So if you, you take many readings... Uh, they will all be around nine volts. That's your accuracy. The precision of the meter is the the precision now we're talking about. So that was accuracy. So now the precision of the meter is the error between readings. So if the reader reads 9.407 volts, you might think it's precise to the 1,000th of a volt or 1 millivolt because it's 9.407. So the 0.407 volts is 407 millivolts so you think oh that's gonna be accurate to one millivolt it's not right that's 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 advertising so or or marketing what's the word it it might be actually only precise to plus or minus a half a volt so multiple readings you'll read uh 
If it's around nine volt plus or minus a half volt, you can guess your readings will fluctuate between eight and a half volts to nine and a half volts plus or minus a half volt, right? So it's plus a half volt or minus a half volt. And all the digits beyond the one tenth of a volt are just marketing and useless. So the if the reading is like 9.432, the 0 0.032 is just noise and you know shouldn't be on your meter it's useless it, it gives you no useful truthful information and if you took you know multiple voltage readings of the same thing click 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 and you wrote them all down you would notice that your voltage you you, you would and you graph it you would see that the, you know the majority of the it's around nine volts so the accuracy is off by one volt and it's plus or minus half volt so your your precision is the the error around your, the truthness and your accuracy is how close you're, 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 you're are. Maybe another example would be shooting at a target. Uh, if you shoot at a target, say a paper target, uh, your bullets will leave holes in the paper. Now, if you leave the paper up and you keep shooting at the same target, you're going to get a bunch of holes around that bullseye. So the, the cluster of holes around that bullseye is called your grouping because they are a group of bullet holes <laughs> makes sense right so if you shoot 10 times or 100 times or a thousand times your grouping should not get larger it'll just be more holes within that circle within the circle of your grouping that is your precision how precise you are is how big your grouping is precision is the size of your grouping if you have a very small grouping the size of a dime you have a very precise shot if you have a large grouping the size of a watermelon you're a crap shot so you're very low precise or maybe it could be the 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 whatever the gun you're shooting the barrel the ammo whatever right so regardless what the cause is you either have a small grouping which is precise or a large grouping which is imprecise accuracy is how close the center of your grouping is to the bullseye so if you're if all your groupings are circled around the bullseye then you are accurate now the the precision is how uh what the error of your your shots are around the truth of the hitting that bullseye so how do we f refute uh limited and specific claims instead of the point-like precision of deductive uh reasoning uh we the precision of our reasoning becomes bigger fuzzier it's a it's a fuzzy glob of plausibility because it's not uh definitively true uh, we're using inductive logic now. So deductive logic can say whether something's valid and sound. Inductive logic, there's no such thing as valid or sound, right? Sound arguments are only valid or can only be, oh, my foot, my foot fell asleep. So uh, deductive uh, arguments, the only sound arguments you can have are deductive arguments. So our accuracy is unchanged. What we're still aiming at is true, but our precision is smeared out, right? When we're, when we're examining these premises, the camera is overheating. Are you kidding me? So we may not be able to say with a hundred percent confidence that the argument is valid. We have entered the upside down world of inductive reasoning. Plausibility is relative. It's not absolute. It's inexact, not exact. It's revisable and it is not fixed. This is the fallible domain of science. Everybody who studies science, everybody, a lot of people who study science, 
know that the 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 fallible of the the logic of inductive logic and and they know this full well when they give the results of their experiments and they say you know it might have a probability of being one in whatever 40 million chance of being true so that might give you you know statistical error it's a probability it's you know five sigma six sigma whatever ah, confidence level right it's not definitively right so when people talk about science as if it's definitive it's a probability however and it's fuzzy right it's precision we're trying to get that precision smaller and smaller so it's tighter and tighter more and more precise but the accuracy can be who knows right so science may be a great achievement but there are still many scumbags who work in science or university administrators who are detrimental to the truth and are damaging our faith in the scientific institutions as well as certain donors and you know political malfeasance right science may be open-minded but there are many who work in science who are not they're motivated by money ego or some other corruption of character you know as we know failed humans have no problem being successful in many fields and that includes science there are many examples of this and it should be rigorously looked into uh, but that's beyond the scope of this episode uh, an example of where science has gone off the rails um that is not of i'm trying to be political so this is that's not political or of interest of corporations as far as i know would be the travesty that happened to the archaeologist uh, jacques sink mars c-i-n-q hyphen m-a-r-s you can google the guy by the mainstream experts you can research him on on your own and i encourage that so politicians, legacy media, and other propagandists lately have been perverting the word science as a propaganda tool. Anytime a random assertion has been made, propagandists throw the word in science to manipulate us to believe there is actually valid science that supports the propaganda when in fact there is not. Can we trust institutions that are peer-reviewed? No. Why? Because they have lied. They have claimed things that we know are false. Now, it's not, I'm not talking about false in the terms of science and how science changes. I'm talking about things like this recent uh, lab leak hypothesis with the Wuhan lab when there were actually scientists who were saying it's been debunked and they give bogus reasons. So they are literally debunking their own, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Credentials? <laughs> yeah, their own validity as scientists. I think it was a report I read. I remember getting to arguments built this with people, and it was I think it was the New England Journal of Medicine. I'm not 100 percent sure now, but uh, they claimed the Wuhan leak, the Wuhan leak, Wuhan lab leak was uh, debunked, and the reason was because the strain was too different uh, to not have occurred naturally. So I call, I called bullshit. I called bullshit and uh, was slammed by experts who called me all kinds of names, right, for for questioning it. So it's not just uh, politicians and legacy media that are corrupted. We cannot trust mainstream experts in science either. And what was their what was their motivation for lying in that report? I don't know. Were they paid by China? Were they paid by the World Health Organization? Or were they just politically motivated for some you know distorted reason? I don't know. It shouldn't be right. Science is not supposed to be that way, but it is today. But so again, the, the reasoning, it doesn't really matter at this point, unless you're trying to track it down and stop it from happening. But for our purposes, it doesn't matter. The fact remains that we can no longer trust mainstream science experts. They have 
debunk themselves, right? I'm not saying they're all liars, but the problem is we don't know which ones are. So our trust in them has been compromised. We still have common sense. And while our guts are not omniscient or precise, our guts can be accurate. We all know that corporations and organizations can fund their own version of science. We've seen this in the past and they make claims using uh, their perversions as evidence to manipulate and deceive the public or to lobby for policy. We've seen this in the oil industries with lead in the water. We've seen it with tobacco, with, you know, uh, cancer and smoking. We've seen it with uh, big food, I think with uh, sugar, refined sugar and trying to go after, uh, you know, healthier, you know, fat or whatever. It's not a debate between science and religion. It's a fight between truth and bullshit. Manipulators can be uh, creative geniuses. And only an idiot today would blindly believe some vague reference to some bullshit study at some bullshit biased university that is sucking China's tit for funding and students. So we need to question more. We need to question everything. If some article or story does not give citable evidence, don't believe them. If they don't give it evidence and its source, uh, if they do, if they do give evidence, uh, and the source of this evidence, then you can track it down. Um, take the time, rigorously e- evaluate it, find the links, read the reasoning, and it may be clearly bullshit. Like that, that article, that report that I read about uh, the Wuhan leak, how it was def- debunked because the virus was so different from any virus in nature that it had to have evolved, which is like totally counterintuitive. That's not science. I don't care. Like there's no logic behind that. It was anti-logic. Even from... Uh, even if it's from a recognized organization like the New England Journal of Medicine or especially from like, you know, uh, any universities are receiving a lot of funding from China. Anyways, any, any of them, all of them, we do not trust it unless they give sources and we can read it and it's transparent and we know where the funding's coming from and everything's above the board. Just because it's peer reviewed, we can't trust that either because they've demonstrated that they're full of shit. So we're at the point where we can dismiss everything we hear on the news or from a politician or from any experts until they cite their sources and their sources of funding and we have full and unencumbered access to their evidence. Otherwise, you can rightfully assume that it is bullshit because more than likely it will be. Never trust the experts, trust the evidence, trust reason, but even even then it could still be bullshit, but I digress. So just know... that we have to evaluate limited and specific claims in their proper contexts and uh, limited and specific claims may need research for us to verify on our own because we can't trust them. Right. So to evaluate a premise that is limited or specific and it does not set its evidence, we can place it on the back burner of plausible bullshit. Each of us is unique. We have unique experiences. We have unique schemata from which we can judge the plausibility of a premise. We suppose, we presume. Courts don't assume you are guilty. Courts, courts, I'm like law. My mouth is getting dry. Courts do not assume you are guilty, but they might presume you are innocent. They might. (laughs) In judging plausibility, there's a great danger of believing bullshit claims that we might want to be true. This does not mean that those claims are not true, but we should not allow ourselves the indignity of believing something just because we want to believe it 
or because, you know, it's, it's slamming some person or politician that we do not like that is not enlightened. A manipulator can lie and use emotional triggers to get us to want to believe a certain narrative. They're manipulating us by using our sense of justice or morals. They're using them against us, our own morals against us. If you feel your emotions building when watching the news, that is the result that they are going for. Don't be that much of an idiot to allow them to manipulate you by your emotions and values. It doesn't have to be a, a news report. It could be something written. It could be something old. Who cares? Just if you feel you're getting emotional about it, that's a trigger. It's a warning. It's a red flag. You know, if they try to make you hate a group of people that they define for some arbitrary reason, this is more it's a red flag should be going up. Also, just because an argument is not clear or convincing does not mean that it is false. It might be, probably is, but it may not be. And just as cogent arguments may not be true. If an argument's cogent, you're like, wow, that sounds really good. Well, it may not be. That brings us to testimony. By experts or not, testimony has little weight when we use it to evaluate a premise. I don't know how courts function given how notoriously unreliable testimony is, even when someone is honestly trying to recall something. Memory sucks. I have a, a friend who uh, is an RCMP who has a great line for this. He says, a short pencil is better than a long memory. Although I think it was Plato who argued, was it Plato? One of the old Greek guys, might have been Aristotle, I think it was Plato who argued the opposite. He argued for memory and he was against people writing things down. And he said, we need to use our memory more and develop it like a muscle and not rely on writing things down. But kind of makes you wonder what did the ancient Greeks write things down on and with, <laughs> did they have pencils? Did they use quills? Papyrus? I don't know. Anyways. So do we trust testimony? Do we trust expert testimony? No. Why? Because even in court, even in the courts of law, defense can bring in qualified experts who are, you know, who claim the opposite of the prosecution's qualified experts. So therefore we have to come to the conclusion that experts do not agree. So which experts do you go by? Well, you can't, they're compromised. If one says A and the other one says B, what are you going to do? You're back to square one. So you just dismiss both of them. So we can look at uh, Jacques Saint-Mars. Uh, not only did he broaden our knowledge of archaeology, he further exposed the incompetence of peer-reviewed mainstream experts. The expert's testimony against him should not have been believed, but it was. Just imagine what a politically motivated expert would claim. So do not believe testimony. Just because it's not apparent that someone doesn't have something to gain by lying does not mean that they don't have something to gain by lying. We're not omniscient. We don't know. We should be leery of all testimony, even if it's our own, unless we have short pencils. This brings me to explanations. If actual science is to show us anything, which it does, it's one of the things is that the more questions we answer, the more questions arise. This is against common sense. You would think that the more you know about something, the less questions you would have. 
but in a lot of things, the more we learn, the more we know how little we actually know about those things. So explanations that raise more questions may not be false. They may not be lies. In fact, they might be the best explanations we currently have. We need to be careful about thinking about alternative, especially when you snap to these judgments, you come to hmm, an alternative premise that seems more plausible than the one they gave. We need to look closely at if we're, we're basing our alternative premises on assumptions, you know, that is assumptions that are based on no evidence. No one has a gut that is omniscient. Well, omniscient, omnipotent, what's the word I'm looking for? Omniscient or om, om, omnipotent, omnipotent. I think it's power. Omniscient is knowledge, right? Well, well, you know the one I'm talking about. So while this is common sense, so many of us ignore, uh, that our guts are not omniscient and believe our guts are somehow the Oracle of Delphi. Our guts should be thought of as an advisor who is probably right, but could be wrong. Don't be intractable when evaluating premises. Lack of evidence is not evidence of absence. Don't trust anyone, especially the experts. Don't trust testimony. Look for generalizations, limited claims, and specific claims. Specific and limited claims need research to refute. Unless you are already an expert, in which case you should not trust the expert and research it anyways. Next episode, we will remain deep in the rabbit hole and we'll be digging deeper in non-deductive arguments. Until then, take care. 